Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, I ask that um, the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And uh, James chapter 1, verse 26 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Now, did you hear that? James is saying that it is possible for a person to deceive their own heart. All of us have deceived other people. It's very easy to do that. But to to deceive one's own heart, well, that takes work. When you have deceived yourself at the heart level, at the deepest level, then the deception is complete. There's no one left to deceive. That's a terrible place to be. Confidently living a lie. Sadly, many people are confidently living a lie, especially as it relates to God. Listen again to James 1.26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Many people lie to themselves about their relationship with God. For many people, their religion, their relationship with God, James 1.26 tells us, is worthless. Or as Jesus puts it in Matthew seven twenty one through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. This morning, I am pleading with all of us to examine ourselves, to make sure that we are not confidently living a lie in our relationship with God. The Bible tells us many different times to examine ourselves. For instance, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40 Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12. If you think that you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. And 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. The Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians, and he tells us, examine yourselves to see whether you were in the faith. Test yourselves Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? You know, I made a profession of faith when I was in 10th grade, but I was self-deceived. I thought my spot in heaven was reserved when I prayed the prayer and, and was baptized. I never read the Bible, however to see how God described uh, what it meant to be a Christian. Rather, 
What I did was I compared myself with my friends who also went to church. And frankly, I felt like I was a better person than them. Probably was. But there's an old saying, when a duck compares himself with other ducks, he crowns himself a swan. I knew I was not real hot for God, wasn't real zealous for God, but I was hopeful that I was doing enough to get by, doing enough to get in, so to speak. I had never read the Bible to hear where Jesus said, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. I plead with you this morning. I plead with all of you. Do not float through life with a self-deceived heart and a worthless religion. God loves sinners. Send His Son to die for sinners. But He will not be manipulated. He will not be strung along. Now, even if you are hot for God, even if you are zealous for God, even if you are living a spiritually fruitful life for God, it is still wise to examine yourself. Without self-examination, your ongoing repentance will be stunted. Repentance is a grace of God. It's not a bad thing. Repentance is a good thing. Repentance causes you to be stretched. Repentance causes you to grow in your Christian life. I've given two examples of questions for self-examination as an insert in the bulletin. Um, One is from Jonathan Edwards, and the other is from John Wesley. Uh, I've used both of these uh, examination questions with great benefit uh, to my soul. And I would suggest that uh, you take this little insert, one side John Wesley's examination question, the other side Jonathan Edwards' questions for examination. Um, Take a couple of hours each month. Find a quiet place where you won't be um, disturbed and spend time with God working through some of these questions. You don't have to work through all of them. You may get to one or two and realize... You've been found out, and you spend time with God about that. And then come back, and and then over and over through the month, take that issue to the Lord. Maybe take some other questions. Uh, I'm not going to read all of these, but uh, Jonathan Edwards' questions, the first six are pretty searching. In fact, the first first, uh, three of these questions come from Psalm 139. Do I manifest an attitude of openness towards God that, that would invite Him to search me, O God, and know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts? Question two, is my heart eager to learn of any wicked way in me? Question three, are my motives for self-examination correct that I might be led in the way everlasting? Four, is it important for me to know whether or not I live in a state of sin? If it's not important for you to know whether you live in a state of sin, you know, there's an, there's an issue in your heart. Five, do I live 
the gratification of some lust, live in the gratification of some lust, either in thought uh, or in deed? Do I live in the omission of some known duty? And he goes on and on. In fact, I think there were 76 of these questions, and I've given you a link where you can see the rest of them. Or on the other page, John Wesley's questions for examination. The first question, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Do I confidently pass on to others what has been said to me in confidence? Can I be trusted? Am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? Do I give the Bible time to speak to me every day? Am I enjoying prayer? And he goes on and on. As I said, I've used both of these uh, lists with great benefit to my soul. If you're honest before the Lord, self-examination may be painful, but it will very well be worth it. David asked God to examine him. Look at the end of the psalm, verses 23 and 24. David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So David is asking God to search him, and search not just his outward actions, but to search inside his heart. David is asking God to test him, to examine his thoughts, which I think also implies examining his motives. David is asking God to see if there is any offensive way in him. And of course, there is stuff in David that's offensive to God. David was a sinner, as we all are. Every time God looks inside us, every time God looks at us, He's going to see our sin. But David is so passionate for God to lead him in the way everlasting that he is willing to face the deepest shame and the the, the great remorse that lies buried deep in his soul. So here's a self-examination question for, for each one of you, for me as well. Is your passion for God uh, to lead you in the way everlasting such that you are willing to lay bare the ugliest stuff that lies buried deep in your soul? Are you willing to lay bare the ugliness that lies on the surface of your life? You know, there's something immensely helpful for an alcoholic to finally admit that they don't just drink too much, but that they are an alcoholic. Sadly, real honesty is often a last resort. David is saying, don't let it be a last resort. But in true honesty, lay your life before God. It may seem a fearful thing to lay oneself bare before God and ask God to examine all the, the dark corners of our life. But have no fear. God already knows 
what's in the dark corners of your life. Or maybe I should say, fear God because He already knows the dark corners of our life. Look at verse 1. David said, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. Why is David asking God to search him and know his heart at the end of the psalm when he has already acknowledged that God has already searched him and knows him in verse 1? It's one thing to acknowledge that God has searched you and knows you. It is another thing to be willing to open your eyes and see the results of that examination. In verses 23 and 24, David is telling God that he is willing, even eager, to be examined. David is saying that he will embrace the ugliness that is revealed in order that he may repent of it, or to use his words, that he might be led in the way everlasting. Psalm 139 has always been a beloved psalm because of how it assures us of how intimately God knows us in all our circumstances. When we're going through some difficult or uncertain times, there is nothing so comforting, nothing so consoling as knowing that God knows what we are going through. Because God knows we can know that we are not going through it alone, that He is with us, and that nothing will happen to us that is a surprise to God. And that's a legitimate application. The first time I ever preached, I was scared to death. Uh, In my home church, they had a um, a, uh, Sunday where the youth led the whole service, even the preaching. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> but uh, my, my mom, I'm, I'm witnessing to my mom. My mom is in the process of becoming a Christian as she's uh, listening to me and as she's reading my books because I was bringing uh, home Charles Spurgeon and A.W. Pink and people like them. And so she went to the preacher and she said, Oh, my son's found God. He should be the preacher. And... Uh, I was a growing Christian at the time. I had moved in with a Presbyterian pastor into his basement. He was discipling me. But i got to tell you, I was scared to death the first time that I preached. And uh, I was in the pastor's office just so fearful I couldn't even move. And then I heard somebody outside the, the door say, Pastor, they were talking to the pastor, Pastor, It is standing room only. We've got to find some more chairs. And my heart just sank. Oh, no. And so at that moment, I just needed uh, to hear a word from God. I didn't care what I read. I just needed to hear from God. So, you know, lucky dipping. I just opened my Bible. Okay, God, say something to me. In God's providence, um, uh, my... I opened to Psalm 139, Psalms right in the middle of the Bible, and my eyes fell on verse 4. Verse 4, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Um, All I could do is say, thank you, God, (laughs) close up my Bible, and um, went and... Frankly, I preached one of the best sermons I've ever preached in my life. 
there was a man, a grown man, openly weeping over his sin during much of the sermon. Um, so it's a, it's a legitimate application to look to God's knowledge of us and look to knowledge, God's knowledge of our circumstances for comfort. Um, the Lord brought me comfort at that moment. But the application that David is intended to underscore is the deep, intimate, extensive, and exhaustive knowledge of God that He has for us. It's not knowledge in general. It's His knowledge of us that is underscored in Psalm 139. So, David is recounting God's extensive, exhaustive knowledge of us. In other words, his knowledge of David and us. So that David could have the courage, so that we ourselves can have courage to lay before, lay ourselves bare before God and ask Him to examine all the dark corners of our life. If God already knows us, if He knows the ugliness, then it should encourage us to be honest before God. So listen to verses 1 through 12 uh, with that perspective, with, with this idea that God is, is uh, that the knowledge of God for us um, is what David is intending to underscore. Again, verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. In other words, I can't grasp it. Continuing on, verse 7, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take my wings, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the up, uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Why did David write Psalm 139? I think that's, that's, that's a legitimate question. What was the issue that David was struggling to lay bare before God? I think verses 19 through 22 give us insight into David's struggle. So if you have your Bibles open, I always encourage you to have your Bibles open. Uh, verses 19 through 22. And you might be surprised to hear what David says in these verses. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with a malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Were you surprised by what, by what you just heard? What's going on here? Why does David so abruptly transition from praising God for his omniscience to declaring his hatred for God's enemies? David had many enemies uh, inside and outside in Israel. 
The natural enemies of Israel hated David. The Philistines, the Moabites, all the other nations that surrounded Israel, they hated David. But David had even more deadly enemies within Israel. The tribe of Benjamin hated David because David supplanted Saul. Some within his own government conspired against him. Even his own son Absalom tried to overthrow him. In Psalm 22, David wrote, and of course our Lord Jesus Christ um, could have very, well, he did. It, it, it was a prophecy of Christ on the cross as well. But in Psalm 22, David wrote, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. Dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. David was aware that the hatred directed against him was not ultimately against him alone, but was ultimately, fundamentally, the hatred was directed against God. And so David's hatred of his enemies is not simply self-centered, but was motivated by a desire for God's glory. Now, I don't know about you, but if people were hating me and trying to kill me like they were hating David and trying to kill him, I'd be pretty self-centered in my hatred towards them. I'd be so self-consumed that there would be little room in my soul to be concerned for the glory of God. And I think David must have been struggling with this very temptation. Therefore, he concluded Psalm 139 by offering up his prayer to God to search his heart motives. In other words, David knows that his self-centered hatred will grieve God. And so he's asking God, search me. Help me not to be self-centered in my hatred for my enemies. Help me not to to hate them uh, for my sake but rather because I'm so concerned for your glory, I hate them. And it's only for your glory that I hate them. As Christians, we continue to struggle with sin. Our indwelling sin typically craves self-gratification and self-justification. We all have blind spots. It's very difficult for us to look beyond our own self-concern. Part of our character that we see as strength might really be a weakness. You know, we might use a strong personality and think this is our strength. And we might run over people and treat them badly to get our way. We have so many blind spots. We might think, well, I'm meek like Jesus and forget that we are fearing people rather than fearing God. So many blind spots that we have. Sin is so deceitful that we might think we are serving God when in reality we're only serving ourselves. Furthermore, we're good at hiding the ugliness of our lives. You know, we try to cover up our, our ugliness by doing a lot of good works in front of other people so they can see them and think well of us. And we don't have to be real in front of them. Sometimes we posture ourselves as holy when around others. Sometimes we live in a fantasy world of our own invention and don't really see ourselves as we really are. Sometimes we simply hope that God won't notice who we are. 
Psalm 139 is a thunderclap telling us that God knows exactly who we are. He knows us better than we know ourselves. A.W. Tozer once said, Self-knowledge is so critically important to us in our pursuit of God and His righteousness that we live under a heavy obligation to do immediately whatever is necessary to remove the disguise and permit our real selves to be known. Spurgeon, I love uh, Charles Spurgeon. He said, the man who does not like self-examination may be pretty certain that things need examining. Thomas Watson, the Puritan, said, it is good to find out our sins, lest they find us out. Whether you are a believer or an unbeliever, whether you are seeking to live faithfully or you are a hypocrite, I have good news for you. God knows you. He knows you completely. He knows the dark corners of your life. He knows your motives and your desires. He has a complete record of your actions and the motives that lie secretly behind your actions. But He loves us anyway. He loves us so much that He sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to take our sins, to take our guilt, to to take our shame. Jesus did not just take it away. He took our sin, He took our guilt, He took our shame, and He took it upon Himself. And He endured God's wrath in our place. He paid our debt so completely that God can say that He has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. So that He who knows everything, He who forgets nothing, can say He remembers our sins no more. It has been said, until people know themselves better, they will care very little to know Christ at all. Brothers and sisters, know yourselves better. Examine yourselves honestly before the Lord because it will drive you to know our Lord Jesus Christ better. Let's pray together. God, we cannot too often or too earnestly ask you to make us honest with ourselves. We love ourselves too much. We desire your glory too little. Help us to examine ourselves, because by so doing, we are reminded to flee to our Lord Jesus Christ as our true refuge and our only sufficient helper, uh, only sufficient helper uh, of our souls. We ask in His name. Amen. Please take your bulletin and